Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. What you're witnessing now talk about obstruction and impeachment, these outrageous subpoenas for the president's taxes and bank records, the demand now that uh, the person involved in security clearances be brought before a House committee, even though there's a separation of powers issue. What you're watching now is the progressive movement in full bloom. The progressive movement rejects our constitutional order while wrapping itself in it. The progressive movement rejects the Declaration of Independence. The progressive movement rejects any of the limitations placed on its ideology. And you're witnessing that now. And it is turning traditions and customs and constitutional principles on their head. Now we're going to spend some time this evening breaking each piece of this down. And you will also notice how excited the media are because the media long for this, love this, have been pushing for this, try to jack up their ratings and all the rest. This issue of obstruction of justice requires a lot more attention than it's getting from the media. All you're hearing is, well, there's a difference between criminal obstruction and obstruction, period. That thank God the president had Don McGahn and others around him who stopped him from obstructing this investigation. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if Donald Trump wanted to obstruct this phony investigation, there's not a staffer in the White House. There's not a cabinet secretary. There's not a single person who could have stopped him. Not one. He could have fired Mueller. He didn't. He could have done this Saturday night massacre like he was accused of, of about to be doing by, by CNN and others, but he didn't. Well, that's because Don McGahn, stopped. Don McGahn didn't stop anything. If the President of the United States wanted to fire Mueller, he would have fired Mueller. What the President of the United States did was give Mueller every damn thing he asked for. Every single person he asked for. We cannot allow this myth to continue. We had a superb caller yesterday, former federal prosecutor who worked at Justice when I did, although I don't believe we ever met. And he said, you know, I read the opinion in Arthur Anderson versus United States in 2005 that Andrew Weissman, the number two, to Mueller was involved in and lost nine to zero. And the opinion was written by the Chief Justice of the United States. 
Rehnquist. So I read the opinion. The parties have largely focused their attention, meaning the litigants, on the word corruptly as the key to what may or may not lawfully be done in the situation presented. Section 1512 punishes not just corruptly persuading another, but knowingly corruptly persuading another. It provides the mens rea knowingly, and then a list of acts uses intimidation or physical force, threatens or corruptly persuades. The President of the United States didn't do any of this. This is obstruction. None of it. The parties have not pointed us, they write, to another interpretation of knowingly, corruptly, to guide us here. The natural meaning of these terms provides a clear answer. Knowledge and knowingly are normal associated with awkward, with awareness rather, understanding or consciousness. Corrupt and corruptly are normally associated with wrongful, immoral, depraved or evil. Joining these meanings together here makes sense, both linguistically and in the statutory scheme. Only persons conscious of wrongdoing can be said to knowingly, corruptly persuade. The president's case would have even been stronger than Arthur Anderson, which was decided 9-0 to zero against Andrew Weissman and the government. Arthur Anderson had a document retention and destruction system and they were destroying documents under their under their system and what Weissman argued was they were knowingly and corruptly destroying documents in anticipation of the Securities and Exchange Commission among others sending them a letter insisting that they secure all their information for a possible federal investigation related to Enron. Even though they knew the possibility of receiving such a letter might happen, they stuck with their retention and hence their destruction policy. And once they received the letter, they stopped. But Weissman insisted that they had to know before they got the letter that they should be protecting the documents. And the Supreme Court said, no, they didn't. They followed their policy until they were contacted, and then they did what the letter from the government asked them to do. They didn't act knowingly and corruptly. The outer limits of this element need not be explored here because the jury instructions at issue simply failed to convey the requisite consciousness of wrongdoing. Indeed, it's striking how little culpability the instructions required. For example, the jury was told, even if petitioner honestly and sincerely believed that its conduct was lawful, you may find petitioner guilty. The instructions also diluted the meaning of corruptly so that it covered innocent conduct. Here we have a case of a president of the United States, and this is why the attorney general and the deputy attorney general and the others at the Justice Department said, even if we take the facts as set forth by the prosecutor, Mueller, in volume two, 
we conclude there was no, no obstruction. And why? Can you imagine bringing the case to the United States Supreme Court and the president's lawyers, that is, the Solicitor General of the United States, saying the president did not assert privilege over any individual, the president didn't assert privilege over any document, the president didn't fire anybody but Comey but quickly replaced him and fired him for reasons wholly unrelated to this. The president didn't make any efforts to deny resources to the FBI, the Department of Justice, for these purposes. Despite his enormous power, because he is the executive branch, he never intervened in the investigation. Not once. Not once. And so what Mr. Mueller, through Mr. Weissman, did yet again is they tried to stretch the definition of obstruction. Ladies and gentlemen, there was no obstruction. There was no effort to obstruct. Even if the president told McGahn to talk to Sessions about firing Mueller, the president never fired Mueller. The president didn't fire Mueller. The president didn't fire Sessions. The president didn't fire Rosenstein. The president didn't destroy any documents. The president didn't assert any privileges over any documents. The president didn't stop McGahn or anybody else from testifying for the government. If the president was acting knowingly and corruptly with the purpose of obstructing justice, he would have knowingly and corruptly acted to obstruct justice. He did no such thing. Nothing. The investigation was not thwarted in any way. Well, that's thanks to his staff. No, it's not. No, it's not at all. The president could have picked up the phone. He didn't. Just like collusion, we are operating in a world of lies right now. You know, I had a uh, a battle with a Washington Post phony journalist who was writing as an analyst in the Washington Post, directed at me, of course. And you can see how these people think. They're loathsome. They don't have open minds. They're not objective. They don't care about the law. They don't care about the police state activities that brought us to this point. They have no interest in that whatsoever. Their interest is in attacking Trump and anybody around him, or anybody who's not even around him, but who dares to make the case in defense of Trump. There was no obstruction. No criminal obstruction, no obstruction of any kind, no instruction in fact. Then you hear them say, well, these are political decisions. They go back and forth. Well, this is a political decision Congress has, and we have to continue to investigate. 
if they have to continue to investigate after a 400-page document is released, which didn't even have to be released, then why did they call for a special counsel in the first place? How many bites at this apple do they get? How many bites of this apple do they want? They want as many bites of this apple as they can possibly get until they destroy the president of the United States. The president does not serve at the pleasure of the House of Representatives. The ple- president does not serve at the pleasure of the Democrats who run this com- these committees. The president does not serve at the pleasure of the Speaker of the House. He serves at the pleasure of the American people. And you have a cabal of radical Democrats from dark blue areas, San Francisco, Baltimore, Manhattan, Los Angeles. This cabal of radical Democrats who do not represent the American people dragging this country into the abyss. There's no obstruction here of any kind, no obstruction in fact, no obstruction of law. I've got more to say when we return. Have you ever wished you knew more about how politics and our Constitution work? Could you explain the key differences between capitalism and socialism? Wish you knew more about American history? Well, I have good news for you. It's not too late to learn no matter how busy you are or how long it's been since you've been in college or high school. And you can do it for free. Because my friends at Hillsdale College, as a service to our country, have free online courses that provide a taste of the core curriculum that every Hillsdale College student takes. The core that teaches us how to think critically and act virtuously. And it can help you, too. Getting started is very simple. Just sign up for one or more of Hillsdale's most popular online courses for free. And you can learn whenever you like. Visit online.hillsdale.edu right now. That's online.hillsdale.edu. Join right now and you'll be on your way to a rich, meaningful education. Again, that's online.hillsdale.edu. Okay, let me give you an example of what we don't know. Don McGahn, the White House counsel, was with prosecutors for 30 hours. What do you think about 30 hours? That's a day and six hours. And in the report, we get a cherry-picked, a cherry-picked explanation of what took place. With very little quotes, just a few. They were with the prosecutor for 30 hours, ladies and gentlemen. His White House counsel, 30 hours. And this is the best they can come up with? And they create this single narrative with no ambiguity in the report. This is why these reports are diabolical. I have a question for the Republicans when Mr. Mueller arrives, or even now. Was Mr. McGahn's interview videotaped? Because if Mr. McGahn's interview was videotaped, 
you should want a copy of it. I suspect they were grilling Mr. McGahn over and over and over and over again about what the president told him and about what he told the president. And then they decided to cherry-pick their own conclusions and put it in the report. That's the problem, ladies and gentlemen, with not having a trial, a court system, standards, rules in place. He was there 30 hours. He didn't say only what the prosecutors put in the report. He said a lot more than that. Well, what else did he say? How many times was he asked? If this is what the media are hanging their hats on, then we ought to know. And isn't it interesting? I am the only one. Only one in media. And I'm an opinion media, not a news media, who just asked, was there a videotape of the 30 hours of interview of Mr. McGahn? Was there an audio tape? 30 hours. Because I think what we would find out is that the prosecution put the worst possible spin on what took place during those 30 hours. I think what we'll find out is that Mr. McGahn wasn't asked once or twice, but was repeatedly asked. Maybe dozens of times the same question in order to wear him down. Is there a videotape of the interview with Mr. McGahn in the special counsel's office? I suspect there may well be. And I would strongly encourage the Republicans on the House Judiciary Committee, Collins is the ranking Republican, Jim Jordan and the others, to find out. To find out. None of this is obstruction. Not obstruction in fact, not obstruction as a matter of law. Now that we've gone down this road because Mr. Mueller and his band of Democrat contributors have decided to write a report like this, a report that they didn't have to write, certainly not like this. That's for sure. We have a right to know. Because I've been around long enough. I've been at the Department of Justice long enough. They didn't ask this question once or twice in the course of 30 hours. They asked it over and over and over again in different ways and with different drama. I'll be right back. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale College has provided students with sound learning of the kind essential to preserving our civil and religious liberty. Now, I want to tell you about Imprimus, the free monthly speech digest of Hillsdale College. Imprimus is dedicated to educating citizens and promoting civil and religious liberty by covering important cultural, economic, political, and educational issues. First published in 1972, Imprimus is one of America's most widely read publications in support of liberty. With more subscribers, 3.9 million, than the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. And recent Imprimus publications have addressed issues like free speech, the regulation of big tech, mental illness, and the American medical insurance system. And because America's founding principles are so important, Hillsdale offers Imprimus absolutely free of charge to anyone who requests it. That's right. You can subscribe to Imprimus for free. Here's what I want you to do. 
I want you to visit imprimus.hillsdale.edu for your free subscription. That's imprimus, I-M-P-R-I-M-I-S, dot hillsdale, dot E-D-U. Welcome to Hillsdale. Love him or hate him or really, really hate him. The Great One is on the air at 877-381-3811. You know, uh, I get sick and tired of uh, other shows ripping off this show. And I really hope you understand my earnestness in this regard. We do a lot of work, I do, in preparation for this. Mr. Producer does, looking at audio, and we coordinate on that. And um, these thoughts I have, these ideas I have. You know, right before the show, I was reading Madison's notes on impeachment. I was reading the Federalist Papers on impeachment. I was reading the great, late Raoul Berger's book on impeachment. I was reading Professor Wright's book back in 1974 during the uh, Nixon period on impeachment. None of the others read any of this stuff. No reporters for the Washington Post do. No reporters for the New York Times do. No reporters for CNN or MSNBC or the major networks. None of them do. They are part of the hype of the moment, the static of the moment. I look at these matters through our principles, and I look at these matters through history. If this president is impeached, not removed, impeached, it will be a dark mark on our history going forward. He hasn't done anything. He's been set up. And he was set up from day one. He was set up before he stepped foot in the Oval Office. And you have every right to be furious, every right to be frustrated. We have a small cabal in Washington, D.C., who are power hungry, and they wish to hold sway over the rest of the nation. Whether it's government-run health care, whether it's government-run economic policy through the so-called Green New Deal movement, whether it's government-run immigration or the lack thereof, whether it's activists on the court, this cabal, a blue state and blue district Democrats, they have millions and millions of our fellow citizens, millions of them, following them as the Pied Piper had people following him. They've dumbed down half the country. But then there's the rest of us. And we know the hour's late. We know the time is short. We know what's taking place in this republic. We know if that they can take down Donald Trump, if they can impeach a Donald Trump, then they can, they can do it to anybody. And so you have these reprobate Republicans, like the governor of Maryland, the former governor of Massachusetts, standing up. They're going to beat our great saviors, don't you know? Moderates, gutless, no spine whatsoever, jumping into the fray, not to defend the Constitution, not to defend our economic system, not to defend our national sovereignty, not to defend originalism by judges on the court, no. To join the mob against the President of the United States. Weld, 
I know well personally worked at the Justice Department. I never met a sleazier guy in my life. Hogan, a complete joke. He's the Republican governor of Maryland. Exactly. With all due respect to Maryland, as Maryland goes, no, the rest of the country doesn't go. And then Kasich. Kasich has had so many positions over the course of his life. Well, maybe he can change place with Stormy Daniels. But they're in. Oh, yes, they're going to save us from ourselves. We, the people who make this damn country work, who fund this damn government, who fund these damn investigations, who pay the damn salaries of these members of Congress and their staff, who pay for their damn investigations, who pay for their damn sexual harassment secret deals with our taxpayers' dollars. We pay for all this. Then there's the press. Oh, the press. You don't have to have smarts to be a newsman. You don't have to have experience to be a newsman. You don't have to have any credentials of any kind, except groupthink. You must be a progressive. No other sort will be tolerated. No other sort will be tolerated. Brian Stelter, what are his credentials? He has no credentials. Jake Tapper, what are his credentials? He has no credentials. George Stephanopoulos, what are his credentials? He has no credentials. Chris Cuomo, what are his credentials? He has no credentials. And we could go on. Chris Matthews, what are his credentials? He has no credentials. You want to be a plumber? You want to be an electrician? You want to be a truck driver? You want to be a cab driver? You want to be a cop? You want to be a firefighter? You want to be a teacher? You want to work at a steel mill, a coal mine? You got to have credentials. You got to have experience. You got to have something. You want to be a reporter? You don't have to have anything. Nothing. Except an ideology that comports with the ideology of the others. There's no diversity in the newsrooms. None. They all dance alike. They all sing alike. They're leftists. You and I have nothing in common with them. Nothing. And they seek to impose their will on the nation. That's what this is about. That's what it is about. Pelosi and Cummings and Nadler and Schiff. And the rest of the reprobates. They seek to impose their will on us. Republicans don't go along with this. Most independents don't go along with this. 30 states that are red, they don't go along with this. It doesn't matter. San Francisco has spoken. Manhattan has spoken. Baltimore has spoken. Los Angeles has spoken. That's it. You're stuck. And the media, no diversity there either. The vast majority of the media operates in and around Washington, D.C., in and around New York City, in and around Los Angeles. That's it. That's it. They talk to each other. They socialize with each other. They cheat on each other. That's not the way the free press was supposed to be now, was it? No. 
And yet that's what we have. That's what we have. We don't have a free press that checks the power of the Democrats, that checks the power of a rogue senior level at the FBI, of a rogue senior level of our intelligence agencies. They work with them. They're the recipients of felonious leaks. And they wrap themselves in the First Amendment and they tell us, don't criticize us. Then you're like Stalin. Don't criticize us. Because we're the press and we represent the First Amendment. No, you don't. Men and women have fought for that First Amendment. Press people, serious press people over the course of this country's history. You fought for nothing. Nothing. Let me tell you what our press thinks. Let me find it in my book. Hat tip to the Media Research Center, too. Let me tell you what the press thinks, the objective press. March 12, 2018. When Trump goes out there and whips people up, it's like a Mussolini rally. And yes, that's what I said. MSNBC host Joe Scarborough. It's our responsibility to call out those times when constitutional norms are being challenged. Those times when the President of the United States usually channels Joseph Stalin and calls the media the enemy of the people, MSNBC, March 8, 2018, Joe Scarborough. Donald Trump talks like a racist, thinks like a racist, makes statements like a racist, conjures emotions that give succor and support to white supremacists and white nationalists. He has emboldened white supremacists to come forward. MSNBC political analyst Michael Eric Dyson, July 5, 2018. Our president is a disturbed person, and he's behaving in ways that are simply inexplicable. New York Times columnist Thomas Friedman. The world witnessed a betrayal the likes of which we've never seen. America's president sided with its enemy today. CNN host Chris Cuomo. The spirit of what Trump did is clearly treasonous. It's a betrayal of the United States. He threw our U.S. intelligence services, flushed them away, and it came off as being a puppet of Putin. People are going to say there's the taint of treason around this White House. CNN contributor and historian Douglas Brinkley. Well, if anybody's issuing demented words of violence and death, I would say it's the president of the United States. I mean, it's quite a pass we've come to when the leadership of a country like Iran seems more stable and rational than the president of the United States. CNN analyst Max Boot. We got a guy in Trump who gets up every morning and excretes the feces of his moral depravity into a nation. He has turned into a psychic commode. That's what he's done. And he's a bigoted bigot-in-chief and a racist in residence. Look at the mendacious, relentlessly lying, bigoted, ill-informed person that we have. MSNBC political analyst Michael Eric Dyson. I don't think he, Trump's capable of basic empathies that we feel as human beings, and that's what a psychopath is. MSNBC's Donnie Deutsch. This is not the party of Lincoln, the party of Nixon, or even the party of Reagan. This is the party of Birth of a Nation film director D.W. Griffith. This is the party of the KKK and the party of Trump. Sirius XM host Karen Hunter on MSNBC. 
Article 3, in Section 3, the Constitution says this, Treason against the United States shall consist only in loving war against them or in adhering to their enemies, giving them aid and comfort. So no president has ever been charged with treason. Douglas, do you believe the president's actions fall anywhere within that definition? CNN host Don Lemon. That is just the emboldening of white bigotry by a white nationalist, white supremacist presidency and his cronies, and all the other white nationalists that he has empowered. The emboldening of sort of your random white bigots, and then the loosening of the grips on white terrorism in this country has raised the stakes for all of us. MSNBC, Jason Johnson. What does Putin have on Trump? Has Trump been compromised? All those people, those experts, those reporters, they're looking at the fact pattern and seeing something strange, even sinister. CNN host Brian Stelter. It's astonishing how he, Trump, has become such an effective and destructive virus created by Vladimir Putin. Former Time editor Walter Isaacson. He's inciting through mass rallies and constantly lying fervor in a political base. He scapegoats minority populations and affixes blame to them for every problem the country faces. He alleges conspiracies of nefarious forces. This could be straight out of Munich, circa 1928. MSNBC Steve Schmidt. Under Trump, children are being marched away to showers like the Nazis said they were taking people to the showers and then they never came back. MSNBC, Joe Scarborough. I've got page after page of this in my new book. And we salute the MRC. Page after page of this, ladies and gentlemen. Page after page after page. One, two, three, four pages. I've already read you three pages. My publisher said, this is too long. You need to summarize. I said, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I barely even started. Collusion, obstruction. Nothing more than a pretext, ladies and gentlemen. Nothing more than a pretext. This is from your media. Well, Mark, those aren't news people. Some of them are. Some of them aren't. But those are news companies that give this voice. They invite these guests over and over and over again for a reason. They invite these so-called experts and historians over and over and over again for a reason. They invite certain authors over and over and over again for a reason. They have certain panelists for a reason. And now all we hear is about impeachment to try and dumb down the country. So impeachment isn't viewed as this truly exceptional wrenching of society. President hasn't lied to a grand jury. President hasn't lied to a jury. He hasn't lied in a deposition while he's been president of the United States. President hasn't been molesting interns in the Oval Office. The president hasn't used the IRS against anybody. He hasn't used the FBI against anybody. President hasn't locked up any reporters or shut down any newspapers or or locked up any of his opponents like other presidents. He hasn't done anything. Anything! Nothing. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin.
Folks, many of our nation's oldest colleges were founded to teach students to seek truth, recognize what's beautiful, and hold up what is good. But sadly, many have lost their way. Locked in the grip of political correctness, they no longer allow free and open discourse and instead peddle their moral and cultural relativism. Thankfully, there's Hillsdale College. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission, to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety. And as Hillsdale enters its 175th year, their goal is simple and yet profound, to help students understand what is noblest and best in yourself and the world. Hillsdale College's liberal arts education and vibrant campus community helps students form a foundation for the rest of their lives, a truly life-defining experience. So if you're looking for a college that prizes learning and values intellectual enthusiasm, where everyone shares a strong sense of meaning and purpose, welcome to Hillsdale College. Please visit hillsdale.edu slash admissions to plan a visit and learn more. That's hillsdale.edu slash admissions. Not a single journalist in this country, not one, asked Mr. Mueller's office if he videotaped his interviews, especially a 30-hour marathon session. Almost a week's worth of time of Don McGahn, White House counsel. There's barely anything in the report, few sentences relatively. After 30 hours in an interview, I don't know, folks, I'm incredibly suspicious. I suspect that Mr. McGahn was asked the same question repeatedly. And I also believe the reason the report concludes that they couldn't exonerate the president, which is not something a prosecutor does, is because Mr. Weissman had his hand behind volume two of most of the report. Because as our prosecutor friend said yesterday, who called into the program, read the Arthur Anderson versus United States decision. It's only about 10 pages long. It's actually 11 pages in length. That's all it took the Supreme Court by 9-0 decision to reverse. But Mr. Weissman destroyed Arthur Anderson, and he destroyed 80,000 jobs. And now Mr. Weissman hopes to set off a coup effort here to remove a president of the United States. This man has no soul. We'll continue this next hour, but I have another question. Who the hell's in charge of Social Security and Medicare? Who's been stealing the money out of Social Security and Medicare? We have payroll taxes, those of us who actually pay taxes, that we pay every damn payroll into Medicare, into Social Security. Who's in charge of that? And why aren't the people in charge of that going to federal prison? I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I want to remind you, Uh, Not to pat myself on the back. Trust me, I don't need to do that. 
I want to remind you what happened the day after the election. It is to put things in perspective. The Wednesday after the election, November 9, 2016, cut four, go. Let me tell you what the Democrats mean to do to you, Mr. Trump. They intend to sabotage you. They intend to sabotage you every step of the way and then blame you. They intend to look for every opportunity to criminalize the politics that swirls around you. And they're good at it, and they do it. And if necessary, they intend to try to impeach you. Trust me when I tell you this is their agenda. They are vicious. They are ideologues. They have a Soviet-style mentality. They will not allow an election to get in their way. Mm -hmm. Two days later, November 11, 2016... Cut five, go. And they will lay in wait, as I also told you, the day after, Tuesday, Wednesday, by my calendar, that they will try and lay the case for the eventual impeachment of Trump. I'm quite serious about this. You watch. Mark my words. Circle the date on the calendar. Wednesday passed. They're going to spend the next two years, after maybe a month or two or three or four of smiling as they sharpen their knives they're going to spend the rest of the two-year period doing everything they can to create scandal to create controversy and provocation anybody who serves in this administration is going to be fair game these leftists use the same tactics as the marxists you see them in the streets now you think these billionaires like soros are just going to go away they're already plotting They're already meeting in their little hotel rooms. They're already doing the things that leftists, radical kooks do. You think they believe in the system? They only believe in the system if they win. They don't accept defeat, ever. And Schumer's the worst of the bunch. And they are plotting right now. Mark my words, they are plotting right now, trying to figure out ways to bring down this administration. Even before... The week is over. And so is Obama. Now I'm back live. Now how did I know this? Because uniquely I served in an administration. Uniquely I served in senior positions in the Reagan administration. I saw what they tried to do. Uniquely I was a lawyer representing former Attorney General Meese in the Iran-Contra matter. I've dealt with this media. I've dealt with these Democrats. I know who they are. I know what they do. I don't just talk about them. I've dealt with them. This is exactly what's happening, isn't it? They just look for reasons. They manufacture reasons. They want tax returns because anybody can find words or sentences or decisions. They can say, look at this, a tax cheat. Look what they did with this dummy Romney. Because he had investments in the Cayman Islands. Look what they did to him. Didn't take much. Didn't take much. Now I want to remind you, the American people, that the very people in Congress who are thrilled about their part in creating Social Security and Medicare, who will tell you all the time, look, We want Medicare for all. 
And the same people who oppose us oppose Social Security and Medicare, don't you know? Which is a lie. There was a counterproposal when it came to Social Security. But they won't tell you that, but it doesn't matter. These people who say they're going to run our colleges, that's what it means when they say college for all. These people who want to run even more our health care. These people who want to run our economy. They can't even run Social Security and Medicare. You want to talk about a crime? I'll tell you the crime of the century. They have stolen the money that you put into Social Security and Medicare. And those of you today who see these deductions from your payroll, every check you receive, they're stealing that money to pay for general government. No private nonprofit organization, no private for profit organization, no business, small, medium, or large could do this. People would be going to prison. Businesses would be shut down. But here, it's said to be compassionate. Now, if you read Liberty and Tyranny, and if you read Plunder and Deceit, you're well aware of all this. I spent a lot of time writing about Social Security and Medicare. You know who cared? Other than you, nobody. Nobody cared, other than you. Other than you who read and buy my books, you cared. Other than you who listen to my radio show and watch when, when I appear on TV, you cared. Nobody else seemed to care. Here's the headline. It's all over the place. This is ABC News. Social Security is running out of money. Benefits on track to be reduced by 2035. The Medicare Hospital Insurance Trust Fund runs out in 2026. That's eight years from now. Eight years from now, Medicare. Medicare. 17 years from now, Social Security. And what are the Democrats doing in the House of Representatives? Issuing subpoenas for the president's tax records. Issuing subpoenas to the president's banks. Issuing subpoenas to 80, 81, 101 individuals who worked for the president, who knew the president, private sector, government, whatever. Behind the scenes, acting like a bunch of Marxists, drawing up papers of impeachment to try and remove an innocent man who's done nothing wrong because they're power-hungry. Now, they want to create college for all. They want to get rid of college debt. Well, who's going to do that? Well, you will, of course. No, 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 just billionaires. No, you will. They're creating a basic income for everybody. They can't even run Social Security and Medicare, ladies and gentlemen. They can't even run Social Security and Medicare. Bernie Sanders is the leader of the Red Pack. The man has never created a job in his entire life. The man has never created one penny in profit in his entire life. He's never done a hard job in his entire life. He's of the Woodstock era. He moved from Brooklyn, ultimately, to Vermont. Got elected Mayor Burlington. Got elected to the House, got elected to the Senate, 
Now he's our great grand leader. Leader of the pack. And he's duking it out with Joe Biden. Joe Biden gets out of law school, gets elected to the Wilmington City Council. After that, he runs for the United States Senate, and he wins a miraculous victory against a relatively old man who should have run again. Squeezes out a victory, and he's never looked back. Joe Biden, they call him Lunch Bucket Joe. Lunch Bucket for what? Joe Biden's never worked in the private sector. Joe Biden's never created a job in the private sector. He's never made a payroll in the private sector. Is it not amazing to you that all these masterminds who want to run every industry in America have never done a damn thing in their lives? Except politics? Isn't that amazing? And it shows. It shows. Kamala Harris. Nobody. Elizabeth Warren, nobody. Cory Booker, nobody. This goofy mayor, whose name I can never pronounce, so everyone calls him Mayor Pete. Nothing. These are all frauds and phonies. But they go after Trump. Why? Because Trump has created tens of thousands of jobs. Billions of dollars of wealth, and not just for himself. Tens of billions of dollars of wealth for the economy of New York City, among other places. And they want his tax returns. You want to know why nobody wants Kamala Harris's tax returns? Because she's been on the government payroll her whole life. You know why nobody wants any, any of these fools' tax returns? They've been on the government payroll their whole life. Donald Trump has been a productive citizen. He's done what he's supposed to do. He's built things. He's created things. He's created wealth, growth, jobs. It always amazes me to hear them on CNN and MSNBC talk about Trump as a racist. Tell me, how many jobs has Don Lemon created for African Americans? How many jobs have any of the hosts on MSNBC and CNN created for African Americans, Hispanic Americans, Asian Americans, any Americans, any, none? How many jobs has Donald Trump created for African Americans? Untold thousands. How many jobs has Donald Trump created for Hispanic Americans? Untold thousands. How many jobs has Donald Trump created for Americans, period? Untold thousands. But we want his tax returns. He's just too damn successful. Has too many investments. Too many banks. Too much going on. We need to trip him up. We've got the most complicated tax laws in the world. Not the free world, in the world. Where if you make real money, you've got to hire CPAs. You've got to figure all this stuff out. And then you have to sign it under penalty of perjury. We're going to get him. We'll get him, get him, get him. That's what's going on. Meanwhile, Social Security is going broke. Medicare is going broke in even a more urgent manner. And what's Nancy Pelosi doing? Plotting. And I love this. Just more investigations. Don't push impeachment. Ladies and gentlemen, don't be a sucker for this. She's pretending to be above the impeachment fray when she's the Svengali behind the scenes pulling all the strings. These chairmen wouldn't be doing what they're doing. They're long in the tooth chairmen and chairwomen. They wouldn't be doing what they're doing, loyalist to Pelosi, unless Pelosi wanted them to do it. 
They're doing exactly what she wants. Just remember this. So if you're successful, you're in the crosshairs. Because you're showing the world that you can be successful. Democrat Party doesn't run on successful people. It runs on people who, are, who need welfare, or should be on welfare, or should be put on welfare. That is, it tries to destroy wealth and growth and a vibrant economy. So it can control you. What would the Democrat Party do with an all, without an all-powerful federal government? It would cease to have a purpose. The Democrat Party is the party of centralized, all-powerful federal power. That's what they run on. Government. Government. We have small and large. We have a Democrat in Congress... Grace Menge, I guess, M-E-N-G, she just introduced a bill, the Menstrual Equity for All Act of 2019. Have you heard about this one, Mr. Producer? You see, if you're in, you're in for an ounce, you're in for a pound, they say. Well, if you're going to control lives, then really control it. What does she want? According to roll call, she's proposed a measure to require all public federal buildings, including those on Capitol Hill, to provide free menstrual products. Well, and I thought there was no difference between men and women. Do men menstruate, Mr. Producer? You know the answer to that. Of course not. You know, whether you're buying a new home or already own one, you'd like your mortgage payments as low as possible, right? Well, let me help you. American financing can help no matter your situation or the terms you're looking for. They have salary-based mortgage consultants. No commission, no obligation, no pressure, no upfront fees. Just a custom loan for your needs. Interest rates are still extremely low, and that doesn't just mean lower monthly payments. It is potential to save you tens of thousands of dollars over the life of the loan. If you already have a mortgage, there's no need to reset the terms. You choose the term that works best for you. 18, 13, 12 years. They can do any term and offer every loan type in the industry. Pre-qualify in 10 minutes, close in as in fast as 10 days, and potential to postpone up to two months of mortgage payments. And now you can also apply, receive your pre-qualification, and close your loan all online. With American Financing's Digital Mortgage. Get started now, ladies and gentlemen. Give them a call. 888-900-1828. That's 888-900-1828. Or if you prefer, you can go online. AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing, NMLS 182334. www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Holy mackerel. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Ladies and gentlemen, by the way, you're going to be inundated with lawyers on TV with the issue of impeachment who know nothing about impeachment. Former federal prosecutors, defense lawyers, Former judges, they know nothing about impeachment. They haven't studied it. They have 
dealt with it. And if it's true and it's not that impeachment's merely a political matter, not a legal matter, why would they bring in legal analysts and former federal prosecutors and defense counsel and all the rest of them to talk about it anyway? So Social Security's going broke. Medicare's going broke even faster. The House of Representatives, which is in charge of spending bills, of tax bills, of borrowing bills, is doing nothing, ladies and gentlemen. Nothing except trying to burden and undermine the president and his administration. That's what they're doing. All of you Republicans in these Republican districts who voted for Democrats, shame on you. You're disgusting. You're a disgrace. You brought this on. You brought this on. You never Trumpers, you brought this on. In addition, of course, to the radical Democrats, you brought this on. We wouldn't have to be going through this today. The country would be moving in a far more positive direction. Imagine if this president had been unshackled by what's taking place. Imagine. They unleash a prosecutor, the media are unleashed. Just appalling, really. Absolutely appalling. Well, we've got a whole lot more to talk about here, ladies and gentlemen. And I'll be right back. If you're trying to reach Mark on the air, call him at 877-381-3811. The Mark Levin Radio Show continues. Joe Biden's becoming the uh, Harold Stassen of politics. You may not know who he is. He had been governor of Minnesota, and he tried to become president, and he just kept running. Every election cycle became a joke. This will be the third or fourth time Biden runs. New York Times has a question, ladies and gentlemen. Should a white man be the face of the Democrat Party in 2020? By Asteed Herndon and Matt Flegenheimer. Flegenheimer? Correct, Flegenheimer. (laughs) No offense, that's almost as bad as Phil Bump. Anyway, should a white man be the face of the Democrat Party in 2020? I don't know. Should a white man be the face of the New York Times as publisher, Sulzberger? What is the, what, what's happened to this country? I mean, look at this. I don't know. Should Jeff Zucker be the white face of CNN? All kinds of white face in the uh, world of liberalism. Should Bernie Sanders be the white face of the American Marxist movement? I mean, uh, Democratic Socialists? I don't know. George Stephanopoulos, white face on ABC. Chris Cuomo, white face. What's with his teeth, by the way? Does he get his teeth polished? It's with these guys. Well, apparently so. I want you to take a quick look at some outstanding free classes you can register to take at levinforhillsdale.com. Only a little time remains for you to register to take these free online courses from Hillsdale College. Now, if you've ever wished you knew more about how politics and our Constitution work, 
or how to explain the differences between capitalism and socialism. You can learn all these things and a hell of a lot more for free. They're taught by the best professors. Hillsdale College, as a service to our country, offers you free online courses that provide a taste of the core curriculum that every Hillsdale College student takes, the core that teaches how to think critically and act virtuously. Just sign up for one or more of Hillsdale's popular courses for free and then start learning whenever you like. Visit levinforhillsdale.com right now. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. You'll be on your way to a rich and meaningful education, but it needs to start now before they pull the page and replace it with something else. Start learning. Register today for free at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Thursday, by my calculation and calendar, that's two days from now, I will be announcing the various book signings. Let's see, one, two, three. There'll be four of them. I might add a fifth at some point, but four of them for now. So you're going to want to listen very carefully. I can't do these long book tours. I just can't do them. But I will do some book tour also. Again, I want to strongly encourage you, if you've been thinking about getting a copy of Unfreedom of the Press, you've heard me talk to you about some what I believe to be very compelling and fascinating matters that I raise in the book that we will be using, and I can assure you that others will be using, whether they're you know, on TV or on radio or on Capitol Hill or just in your own communities then now is the time to pre-order a copy. I believe it's 40% off, give or take. Unfreedom of the Press. Unfreedom of the Press by yours truly. Let me read the chapter headings to you so you know what you're in for. And I think you're going to like what you're in for. Chapter 1, News as Political and Ideological Activism. I'm not going to just throw a bunch of examples at you, although there will be those. I'm going to explain how we got to this point and what's behind it. Chapter 2, I think this is going to fascinate you, the early Patriot Press. So you know what the press is supposed to be like. Chapter 3, the modern Democratic Party Press. That's pretty self-evident, isn't it? Chapter 4, the real threat to press freedom. Now we've touched on all of these over the course of the last two and a half, three weeks. But you certainly haven't gotten the full taste and flavor of what we're doing here in the book. Chapter 5, News, Propaganda, and Pseudo-Events. Chapter 6, The New York Times Betrays Millions. Oh, they're going to hate that. Chapter 7, The Truth About Collusion, Abuse of Power, and Character. The epilogue simply means last chapter. A Standardless Profession. I want to go back briefly to chapter 6, The New York Times Betrays Millions. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're at the New York Times and you're the people who make the decision on who's on that list and who's number one, two, three, four, what do you think they're going to try and do to a book that has a chapter 6 like mine? The New York Times Betrays Millions. Now the way this works is they get an advanced copy about two weeks before the book comes out, several of them, 
for whoever the Svengali's are who make these decisions to read. They're going to go right to chapter 6. And here's what they're going to say to each other. We've got to figure out how to keep this guy from being number one on the New York Times bestseller list. He's been number one five times in a row. We've got to figure this out because chapter six is about us at the New York Times. And it is devastating. And it is. So if it's a close call within 5,000, 7,000 of Howard Stern or Michelle Obama or somebody like that, we're not going to make it. And the New York Times doesn't really divulge the model that it uses, but it'll figure some way to say, uh, oh, sorry, well, you know, you didn't have enough sales at uh, Ernie Grabotsky's bookstore in, uh, in Greenwich or whatever it is. This is why I keep talking to you about pre-orders. I want you to have the book in hand the moment it comes out on May 21st. But truthfully, if we're not 20,000 ahead of the guy behind us, uh, they will, in fact, do what they want to do, which is ding us. No amount of screeching and whining is going to change it. That's why I'm addressing this. So if you can go to Amazon.com and pre-order a copy, if you're going to order a copy anyway, and they're well discounted right now, if you want to get several copies for family members, whether they're conservative, liberal, or in between, I think this is going to be really fascinating for them. When you read about the New York Times and the purposeful starvation of the Ukrainians by the Soviets and how the New York Times man on the scene for 12 years, Walter Durante, was a mouthpiece for Stalin. We touched on that, but there's a hell of a lot more in the book. When you read about how the New York Times, owned by a Jewish family, self-censored information about the Holocaust, you're going to be shocked at what you learn. Shocked. This is the heritage of the New York Times. Why do I pick on the New York Times? Because it's supposedly the gray lady. It's the paper where every journalist student wants to work. It's the paper where many reprobates work. Attacking a free press, the press attacks itself. And I get into that too. What is it that they're learning? What is it that they're they're trying to do? I mean, other than the, again, the, the surface level, we know where they want to go. They want to go left. But why is that? Where does that come from? What are, what are the factors involved in that? And what do we mean by propaganda? And how does that happen? What do we mean by pseudo-events? How does that happen? And you're going to learn about what other administrations did with and to the media. And in the end, when you're done with the book, you're going to have an enormous amount of knowledge about what's coming through those monitors on the TV screens or these various media websites and newspapers. You're going to have an enormous amount of knowledge. And I purposely wrote this book in a way that is totally understandable in plain English that will grab your attention without being provocative the book speaks for itself 
These people do not stand for freedom of the press. They stand for unfreedom of the press. When you basically have a monopoly in ideology and party affiliation, a monopoly pushing the country in one direction as opposed to another, when the goal is social activism, social activism, not news reporting, not, not finding the objective truth, you have what we have today. And we need to have a national discussion about this. Not, well, oh, look at the press. I'm not talking about it. It's not a discussion. We need to go through these various chapters. We need to go through a sober understanding of what has taken place, what is taking place, and what's going to take place. And as I told you yesterday, I'm going to have the publisher send copies of this book into a number of these newsrooms. We joke around here, we know the extent to which I'm onto something based on the extent to which I'm attacked by the left, particularly in the media. Like yesterday. Like over two years ago with the surveillance of Trump world. We know when they push back that hard, and I'm telling you they're going to push back very, very hard on unfreedom of the press. It has over 400 endnotes, and those are for you to double-check something to go to original sources, to know where I got the information from, but they will try their best to undermine the scholarship. They will fail because they, they will have to lie, and I will be here to push back. But the facts are the facts, and the objective truth is the fourth estate has become a fifth column. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. ago, almost to the day, Liberty and Tyranny came out 10 years ago. And you and I, many of us, were part of a Tea Party movement. Before that, if you're old enough, many of you and I were part of the Reagan Revolution. Many of you and I are part of another revolution, Convention of States, Article 5. I believe 14 states have already passed resolutions and more to come. Then I wrote the Liberty Amendments that had an effect on that process. Now we have the Trump Revolution. The Trump Revolution. And it's up against the progressive movement. And so I decided that we need to deal with the generals of the progressive movement and they happen to be in the media. A recent study shows Americans are sleeping less than ever, which negatively impacts our day-to-day life. But you can get the best sleep of your life, the best sleep of your life, on a brand new set of bowl and branch sheets. The softest, most comfortable, 100% pure organic cotton sheets in the world. Hundreds of thousands of Americans sleep better thanks to bowl and branch, and that includes the Levin household. And they're the only sheets loved by three U.S. presidents and their wives. All their products, from the signature soft sheets to the cozy throw blankets to their plush towels, are made with naturally derived products at the highest level of craftsmanship. 
with attention to detail and quality through every step of the process. You can't buy these in stores. They're just too good. And every purchase, every purchase comes with a 30-day risk-free trial. Right now is the perfect time to try Bowl and Branch during their Think Spring sale. Get 20% off, 20% off everything at bowlandbranch.com. You should act quickly. That's B-O-L-L, bowlandbranch.com for 20% off your entire order. Bowlandbranch.com. This Mayor Pete looks like some kind of geek to me. Doesn't he to you, Mr. Producer? It's Judge. I got to remember that name. Mayor Judge. Oh, well, excuse me. God bless you. Should we call him Beto Judge? Because where's Beto or is it Beto? Well, looks like Judge, Pete Judge, has replaced Beto O'Dork as the latest empty suit that the media and Hollywood and the rest will get behind. I'm saying, I'm serious. The guy looks like a dork. Buddha Judge does. He's the mayor of a relatively small city. Nobody asks him, well, what about your knowledge of foreign policy? They used to do that to Trump. We don't know what his foreign policy is, do we? No, we know very little about him. Although he keeps attacking Mike Pence. Mike Pence is the nicest guy you could possibly know. He's faithful to his family. He's faithful to his principles. He's a very decent human being. Always has been. And this guy, Buttigieg, what's his name? Buttigieg. Mayor Pete's easier. This guy, Buttigieg, uses the vice president, tries to, as a straw man. Attacking him as if Mike Pence has ever attacked Buddha Judge for being gay. Matter of fact, it's my understanding that Buddha Judge, the mayor, and Pence, the governor, both in the same state, Indiana, used to get along pretty well. But Buddha Judge, the dork, he's desperate to be the nominee for president of the United States. So he's got this kind of oh gee golly type of you know persona. Oh gee Willikers. Oh gee Willikers. While he apparently has uh, a pretty nasty uh, right hook because he's created or he's trying to create, he's trying to manufacture some kind of a battle with Pence and Pence isn't biting. Wow, what a guy. I mean, uh, isn't he something else? A dork. By that I mean he really ought to stand up. You can believe whatever you want to believe, but stop creating foils and phony issues. Because Pence has never attacked him for his beliefs, for his lifestyle, or anything else. I don't do that either, by the way. So why would you assume that Pence does or try to create that scenario other than for purely political purposes, which is pretty loathsome? Stephanie, St. Leonard, Maryland, the great WMAL, go! Hi, how are you? Um, okay. I wanted to I wanted to comment on uh, Bill Barr's last press conference. Go right ahead. And I, I think the least significant thing that happened at that press conference was the announcement that the Mueller report was being released. 
Um, I, I think what he did in that press conference was put Congress in check. And I think when he testifies next week, it'll be mate. And the reason why I think that is because on the issue of obstruction, he made a determination as a matter of law that obstruction did not occur. And when he did that, he was executing the powers expressly committed to the executive branch. So Congress can disagree with it. They might not like it. They can have a meltdown about it, but it's not their job to do that. In fact, they're not allowed to do that. Are you suggesting that they're interfering with the justice system, the very thing that they said Trump would do and never did? Yep. All right, Stephanie, uh, and your governor, uh, now he's joined the the Trump-hater crowd over there. Because now he wants to be president. Why the hell would I vote for Larry Hogan to be president when he stands for absolutely nothing? I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, At the bottom of the hour, scheduled, Senator Mike Lee, an old buddy of mine. This is big news. White House to fight Democrats subpoena of ex-White House counsel Don McGahn. Let me tell you something. The White House is ready to fight now. They gave this prosecutor all he wanted. They found nothing. There was nothing. But the Democrats won't stop. So the president's going to assert some privileges based on separation of powers now because now that we've moved from the legal to the political, he has no reason to cooperate with Nadler or Cummings or any of the rest of them and damage the executive branch. Fox News, Greg Ray, John Roberts. The White House will fight House Democrats' subpoena of testimony and documents from ex-White House counsel Don McGahn, Fox News is told. And almost immediately, House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jerry Nadler characterized the move as one more act of obstruction by the Trump administration. You can see Jerry Nadler would have fit in very, very nicely in Stalin's Soviet Union. Of course, there's a separation of powers issue. And as I was unfortunately listening to the network news that blows into my ears about three or four minutes ago, at no point did the idiot Anchorette mention separation of powers. At no point. The brewing fight over the McGahn subpoena was poised to set up a series of other contentious legal showdowns as Democrats seek to publicly question more current and former Trump aides who featured prominently in special counsel Mueller's report on the Russian investigation. Fox News has also told the White House intends to vigorously oppose subpoenas that might run up against executive privilege, a power sanctioned by the Supreme Court that allows the president and members of the executive branch to shield certain internal communications from disclosure, absent a compelling overriding justification. So the president waived all these privileges with respect to Mueller and his criminal investigation. 
I mean, after all, they're both in the executive branch. But now that committees of Congress are overstepping their authority to legislate in order to try and bring down the president and, quite frankly, weaken the office of the presidency. Hello, hello, hello. Weaken the office of the presidency. The president is saying no. Neither the presidential communications privilege, which protects discussions by the president and senior aides, and the deliberative process privilege, which protects even lower-level talks concerning policy discussions, were invoked by the White House to redact any sections of Mueller's report. But as Democrats ramp up their investigations following the report's release, Trump and his team have begun pushing back on a campaign of probes they say are nakedly partisan. The White House scored an early victory in that effort on Tuesday after House Democrats agreed to postpone a subpoena deadline for Trump's financial records following Trump's lawsuit challenging the subpoena. The president will win all, if not most, of these battles. And they're going to be dragging Jerry Nadler's fat ass and the rest of them right into federal court and make them explain to these federal judges what they're doing, particularly the Supreme Court. Particularly the Supreme Court. So Nadler says if the executive branch wants to protect itself, if the office of the presidency wants to protect itself, if the president of the United States wants to protect these institutions, that's obstruction. You're a clown, Nadler. You're a clown. You have a, you have a relatively small majority, and you're running loose like the Stalinist you are. Like the Stalinist you are. That's exactly what you are, Nadler. CNN media reporter Brian Stelter over here at the Washington Examiner reporting says the press can lead the way to decency in the age of Trump. Now listen to this jackass. CNN media pundit Brian Stelter defended the media for its often negative coverage of the president. Trump and his allies are telling big lies, Stelter said. So what's the role of the press in this broken environment? It's our role to stand up for decency and morality, especially if others won't, said Stelter. Yeah, Stelter, this man is so delusional and so narcissistic, and it's hard to explain. Hard to explain. He ought to take a look. At the Federalist right now, seven ways the Mueller report exposed the media's fake bombshell stories. Or you should take a look at the Daily Caller. Mueller report exposed a string of anonymously sourced stories. They got it wrong. Oh, yeah. Or there's a great story, The Conservative Review by Jordan Schachtel. The Mueller probe perfectly serves Russia's agenda. This is something I've been saying, too. This is something I've been saying, too. That is, that CNN and the media and the Democrats and the uh, reprobates at the senior level of the FBI, all of whom are now gone, and senior level of the intelligence agencies under Obama, all of whom are now gone, that they've done more damage to this country than the Russians. And I'm not one of these code pink Republicans who think the Russian government and Putin are swell. I think they're the enemy. The enemy! But so are a media, and so are former senior officials in a government, our government. 
that are trying a coup, a silent coup aimed at the President of the United States. Oversight Committee is another committee, Mr. Cummings' committee, moves to hold ex-White House official who oversaw security clearances in contempt of Congress. Gentleman's name is Carl Klein. The president decides what security clearances are given or not given ultimately to his own staff. Congress has no role in that whatsoever, any more than the president has any role in who Congress gives security clearances to. The president will win this one too. The battle is joined, and the battle should be joined, legally and in every other respect. Legally and in every other respect. The battle is joined, and it should be joined. Meanwhile, as I said, Social Security is going broke. Medicare is going broke even faster. What is Elijah Cummings doing about that? Nothing. What is Gerald Nadler doing about that? Nothing. What is Adam Schiff doing about that? Nothing. What is Nancy Pelosi doing about that? Nothing. And they run the House of Representatives. But don't worry, those of you, American citizens, taxpayers, all these decades, have been paying into Medicare and Social Security, and you've believed what you're told, that it'll be there for you during your retirement and throughout the rest of your life. They lied to you. Meanwhile, this from Fox News, William Longinus. Most illegal immigrants in the U.S. receive government benefits, costing taxpayers billions. Now, folks, there's not enough money for Social Security. There's not enough money for Medicare. Not enough money to secure the border. But there's enough money to spend billions of dollars a year to give government benefits to illegal immigrants. This week, the U.S. Supreme Court considers whether to count self-identified illegal immigrants in the 2020 census. I don't even know why this is controversial. The executive branch wants to count how many people are citizens. Well, you can't ask that question. Why? Why? Cities worry adding the citizenship question could undercut six and a half million people. Their argument, however, isn't just about political power, but billions of dollars in federal funds state expect. Why should states be getting billions and billions of dollars based on how many people they have generally, including illegal aliens? The case underscores what experts say is a growing cost to taxpayers from the surge of Central American families and unaccompanied minors. So the Democrats control the House. They want to subsidize illegal aliens who have just stepped into the country. They will do nothing to strengthen Social Security or Medicare. As a matter of fact, they're stealing money out of those funds, I guess, to pay illegal aliens, among others. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Mr. Nadler. Mr. Cummings, Mr. Schiff, Ms. Pelosi. There's 63 million of us who voted for this president. You think we're going to take this lying down? What do you represent? Seven, eight hundred thousand people? And even less than that who voted for you. We're not going to let you succeed in your silent coup. As I continue to say, you're playing with fire. Political fire. 
You're screwing around with our country. You're screwing around with our Constitution. You're trying to disenfranchise us. All this crap talk about suppressing the vote. This would be the biggest suppression of the vote ever. Ever. They want to take your vote away, ladies and gentlemen. Nadler. Nadler. They're using this for opposition research in 2020 also, as I said several months ago, which is now being repeated all over Fox and elsewhere, which is a good thing. That's all right. You know, this uh, Mother's Day, your wish about a double chin maybe just going away, your wish is our command with Genesel's outrageous Mother's Day sale, double chins, Sagging jaw lines, turkey necks are all real problems until now. Introducing the new Genesel jawline treatment formulated with MDL technology. MDL. Robin S. from Lubbock, Texas wrote, I put the jawline cream on my neck like two or three days ago. It's the best my neck has looked in over 20 years. Several people told me my face looks young. I'm blown away. Sure, now, you could get expensive or harsh treatments to look younger, but why would you do that? From now until Mother's Day, the GenuCell jawline treatment is yours absolutely free when you order the classic GenuCell for eye bags and puffiness. And with its instant effects, see results in the first 12 hours guaranteed or your money back. Hello! Results in the first 12 hours guaranteed or your money back. Go to GenuCell.com, that's GenuCell.com, or give them a call, 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604. A surprise Mother's Day premium gift with all orders. 800-SKIN-604 or GenuCell.com, 800-SKIN-604 or GenuCell.com. All right, Mr. Producer, my damn computer has punked out again. Give me a really good caller of the left or the right, please. WMAL, Edward in Virginia, go. Mark, how does it happen that money collected by the U.S. Treasury uh, in a supposed trust fund for Social Security ends up getting spent? Well, how do you think it happens? Uh, I suspect it is through Congress, and this is what I have heard, but... I'm not involved in government, but I hear A long, about long I time have... ago, members of Congress decided that these trust funds could be funded with IOUs. So what they decided was all the money that you pay into Social Security and Medicare would go into the general operating expenses. And in return, the IRS would give the Social Security trust fund, Medicare trust fund, IOUs. IOUs. So the money's gone, but there's IOUs. You know how I often talk about we're over $20 trillion in fiscal operating debt and over $200 trillion in unfunded liabilities? Yes, I've heard it many times. Well, this is where that comes from. Because we have IOUs on Social Security and Medicare, among other pensions, federal pensions, and so forth, IOUs, that we can never expect to pay. So the question is, when you spin a wheel, you know, when is that wheel going to stop? Where is it going to stop? Which generation is going to get stuck? It won't be people who are 55, 60, and older today. 
but it will be your children and or your grandchildren. They are going to get stuck, and they're going to have no way out. And this is why I wrote Plunder and Deceit. And it troubles me enormously that people who love their children and grandchildren treat them like crap when it comes to public policy. The money that is owed to senior citizens, to future senior citizens, I should say, under Social Security and Medicare, hasn't even been created yet. It hasn't even been created yet. That's how massively there's an imbalance. When people tell you there's $20, $21 trillion debt, they're taking off the books these unfunded obligations. You can't do that if you're a company. You can't do that if you're the post office. You can't do that when you're, when you're applying for loans and so forth. They want to know what you owe. But the federal government conceals it. Why? Because they can. And so here they are, investigation after investigation, 24 hours a day. The media are a joke. And our two biggest programs for senior citizens, Social Security and Medicare, are going broke. And we've been told about this for a while. For a while. And there are ways to really deal with this. There have been, and we're running out of time. You grandfather in people who are currently on these programs, so they're not harmed because we made promises to them. But we are going to have to change the way these programs function for people who are under the age of 55. They won't do it. Instead, they say, Medicare for everybody. Well, if Medicare for senior citizens is going broke in eight years, how can you have Medicare for everybody? Bernie Sanders and the others, AOC and the other negative IQ clowns in the Democrat Party. They think Social Security should be expanded. How do you expand Social Security when the trust funds are bled dry? By the government, by these politicians. Oh, they're so compassionate. Don't you love them? And all they keep saying is the same thing, which is a joke. Well, tax the rich, tax the rich. Tell me. Tell me, sir, if our economy creates $17.5 trillion a year, and we have over we have about $250 trillion now in unfunded liabilities, where's that money going to come from? Uh, we're going to be eating uh, beans for a long time. Well, you can tax the rich. You can take every damn thing the rich have. It's not going to make any difference. This is what I fear. When an economy collapses, what do you get? You get fascism. You get communism. You get autocracy we will lose our society we will lose our constitution we will lose it all and these slobs in congress playing their stupid ass games these slobs in the media focused on all the wrong stuff trying to drag us further and further into their uh, emeritopia meanwhile look at what's going on around us and we have a press we have a free press no we don't we have propagandists I'll be right back. Yes, it's true that Mark Levin is the fastest growing radio show in America. The Mark Levin Show is on at 877-381-3811. All right, Senator Mike Lee has written another great book, Our Lost Declaration, America's Fight Against Tyranny, From King George to the Deep State. How are you, sir? Doing great. Thank you very much, Mark. I saw you a little bit. I think it was on the CBS show this morning. How did I do? 
Well, they only gave you like two minutes to discuss the book, didn't they? Well, that happens. But, you know, as a conservative, uh, two minutes is more than you expect. Yeah, you're not kidding. Well, you'll get more in two minutes here. So tell us what, what motivated you to write this book. You know, I've been talking for years about the fact that we've drifted far from the Constitution. I've been telling stories about it. I've written a couple of books about it. It occurred to me recently, uh, about two years ago, that really the core of it is found in the Declaration. The Constitution is sort of like a picture frame, but the Declaration is the picture itself. It's the document that expresses who we are as a people, what our political desires are, and the fact that we yearn to be free. I wanted to tell the stories about how the Declaration came to be so that we would revere it more and we would incorporate it into our political discussion and how we view the Constitution. Does it trouble you that really in most of our public schools, we don't spend a lot of time on the Declaration of Independence, the wording, where the words come from, what they mean? Does it trouble you? Because it seems to me if a society doesn't reinforce its founding principles, it ceases to become that kind of a society. No, that's exactly right. Yeah, it worries me a lot. The uh, fact is, it used to be standard curriculum in uh, high school civics classes, even at junior high and elementary school. It's not discussed nearly as much anymore. Um, some might say, well, it's because it's not uh, legally operative in the same way that our laws or our Constitution are. But, you know, the Constitution's not discussed much either. Mm-hmm. And we can't fully understand what the Constitution is there for unless we also understand the Declaration. It's one of the reasons I wrote this book. I want to give moms and dads in America the opportunity to give their kids something to read, something that's accessible, something that they can easily understand, but they're not going to get in school. Now you have here our lost Declaration, follows up on the lost Constitution. How did we lose it? We lost it by ceasing to talk about it. We've made it like the Constitution, almost vestigial, in the sense that we don't talk about it as part of our national political discourse. Really, it should come up on a regular basis, and it should come up in the same sense that it arose initially, which is as a revolt against overreach by our national government. The fact that our national government was once based in London and was headed by a king really doesn't meaningfully differentiate its importance today from its importance two and a half centuries ago. The principles remain the same, and today, in many respects, we face government overreach, uh, just not from a king, instead from a whole bunch of unelected, unaccountable bureaucrats who we collectively describe as the deep state. Isn't part of the problem that this entire progressive movement rejects the Declaration of Independence? Yes, it rejects the Declaration of Independence, and it rejects the God-given rights upon which it was based. It rejects the notion that we have inalienable rights that are endowed upon each of us by our Creator. The idea that each individual human soul has infinite worth, and that the rights of each soul are worth protecting, is something that the progressive left and status everywhere reject out of pocket because they can't handle the idea of something not being conferred by government. Uh, But that's exactly why we need to restore it, because that's nonsense. 
and, and governments are created for the benefit of human beings, not the other way around. And the Declaration is an amazing document, isn't it? And yet the progressives, as you point out, they think it's limiting. And they think, well, that was great for that time and that period, but we can declare things ourselves. And so when a nation rejects its own history, what happens to that nation? Well, they, they lose their sense of story, and with it, their sense of self. And, you know, to put it in perspective, one of the things I describe in the book the fact that in the summer of 2017, NPR tweeted out a series of excerpts from the Declaration, line by line. People started freaking out, assuming that it was a, a declaration of revolt, that the statements made, of course, against King George III were in reference to President Trump. They started freaking out over this because they didn't recognize that was language from the Declaration of Independence. And uh, it's one of the reasons why this needed to be written. Uh, we, we've also had statements excerpted from the Declaration of Independence that were put up by an entity on Facebook uh, that were labeled a form of hate speech. It, this, again, <laughs> is a reminder of the fact we've drifted far from this document. This document is pretty important to our liberty. Where do the ideas in the Declaration of Independence come from? You know, a lot of them sprung from the Scottish Enlightenment. Uh, many of the ideas themselves were first articulated to the common American man and woman by Thomas Paine. Thomas Paine took a lot of the Scottish Enlightenment principles and he verbalized them in everyday vernacular. When he came out with his famous pamphlet, Common Sense, he found it difficult to get anyone to publish it. He refused even to put his own name on it for fear that it would subject him not only to ridicule, hatred, and scorn, but also potentially death. Uh, so a lot of Paine's language uh, really undergirds the Declaration of Independence. Even though Jefferson gets a lot of credit for it, uh, uh, appropriately so, uh, Thomas Paine deserves a lot more credit than he gets. And yet Thomas Paine basically ran off to France to get involved in that revolution. And a couple of the uh, founders had to go dig him out and bring him back, right? Yeah. Uh, it's one of the things that happens when you allow uh, the twin principles of liberty and equality uh, to get out of balance one with another. Uh, we, we always have to allow liberty and equality to balance each other out. And any time equality morphs into its evil cousin, radical egalitarianism, it produces something like the French Revolution, which drew a lot of people into its grasp. And isn't that really the problem with the hard left today, some of these Democrats who, who are seeking the presidency and so forth? Aren't they really embracing the wrong revolution? Yes, they're embracing the French Revolution rather than the American. What differentiated ours from theirs is that we recognize that true equality consists of uh, equal treatment under an equally just law. That's what makes us equal. That's equality under, properly understood. Whereas ra radical egalitarianism encompasses equality of outcomes guaranteed by a brooding omnipresence of a state. Uh, that ends up swallowing liberty. And people naturally yearn both for liberty and equality. 
but radical egalitarianism quickly swallows up both of them and destroys liberty with it. That's a problem. Which is why they have to really reject the Declaration of Independence. I mean, you've read, uh, you know about uh, Woodrow Wilson's speeches about the Declaration, some of these early progressives, their speeches. Even Obama, he would keep out the part about, you know, the creator and so forth, uh, government being the all-powerful. And my concern, Senator Mike Lee, is I'm not sure what we do about this. Right. It's very difficult to know what to do about it when it's not taught in our schools, when it's more difficult to talk about, because unlike the Constitution, it doesn't uh, have the kind of language that is binding in court. You don't practice declaration law. There's generally not a Declaration of Independence section taught in law school. But it is nonetheless essential to our national political discourse. And it's the reason why I wrote this book, reason why I wrote our lost declaration. I think it's relatively easy to internalize these principles. They're not all that difficult to understand. I've written this book in a way that can make it easy for every man, woman, and child in America to understand the declaration and why it should matter. And I wrote this book in part because I think it allows parents, moms and dads throughout America, to give their child the kind of education about the Declaration they may have had and they wish their child could have today. When you stand on the Senate floor and give a speech or you're sitting there listening to speeches or sitting in these committees, I'm sure our history crosses your mind often. Are you generally disappointed in what you're saying? Concerned about it? Do you wonder if most or many of your colleagues understand where all this comes from? I'm concerned, certainly, disappointed, yes, at times. I'm also reminded of the fact that liberty never was a guarantee. It never has been. It's something that has to be fought for and won every single day. Uh, Liberty isn't necessarily the default condition for humanity, because when people get a little bit of power, experience and history teach us that that power tends to be abused unless that power is carefully circumscribed. Uh, Madison knew what he was talking about when he wrote Federalist 51, when he pointed out that you know, if men were angels, they wouldn't have need of government. If they had access to angels to run their government, they wouldn't have need of all these rules. Uh, he really was expressing many of the same principles that uh, underlie the Declaration of Independence. And so, yeah, uh, while these are troubling times, we've faced troubling times before. We've made the right choice. And we, make, we can make that again insofar as we understand the extent to which it's part of our legacy to be free, to enjoy liberty. You know, Mike, when I was 20 years old, my father and I traveled from, uh, well, we were in New Jersey, but we lived in Pennsylvania. But we traveled to Washington to visit Senator Paul Laxalt. And Senator Laxalt and I became very, very close friends. And as you know, he was very tight with President Reagan, and he was fighting the Panama Canal Treaty and so forth and so on. And he met with us, even though we didn't live in Nevada, for 20 or 30 minutes. And one of the things he said to me that I will never forget and said to my father, too, is every day we meet here, you lose a little bit of your liberty. Does that resonate with you to some extent? Absolutely. Uh, It does, because... Whenever Congress acts, especially if it acts in a way that expands the size, scope, the power, the reach of the federal government, it does so at the expense of individual liberty. It does so at the expense of federalism. 
so that is a problem. I would add to that one thing, though, uh, uh, that Laxalp may have had in mind at the moment, which is that sometimes through its inaction, Congress also perpetuates the problem. In other words, over the last 80 years, we've not only taken power away from the American people, from the states, moved it to Washington, where it doesn't belong, we've also shifted power from the people's elected lawmakers in Congress to unelected, unaccountable bureaucrats. This is what I refer to in the title of my book as part of the deep state. So that instead of having one King George, we've got tens of thousands of miniature King Georges embedded within the deep state, within the administrative bureaucracy. And they're hard to get to. They're hard to get to. And I, I really don't blame them. Uh, many of them themselves are well-educated, well-intentioned, hard-working, highly specialized people. I blame Congress. Congress did this. It did it deliberately to destroy liberty and to make it easier for individual members to get reelected. Instead of passing actual laws, we passed broad platitudinal statements that say we shall have good law in Area X, and we hereby delegate to Commission Y the power to make and enforce good laws in that area. That's wrong. It's unconstitutional, and we've got to turn that around. You're a very unique senator. You're a very unique public figure. You think about these things. You're concerned about these things. Most are not, unfortunately, which is why I very much enjoy watching you and appreciate you. And the book is Our Lost Declaration, America's Fight Against Tyranny from King George to the Deep State. You can get it on Amazon.com, any major bookstore. And uh, I want to thank you for writing it. Thank you for being here, Senator. Thanks so much, Mark. Really appreciate it. All right. God bless. And we'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Does your current office chair support you? Well, if you're lucky, maybe it goes up and down. Compare that to my X chair with dynamic variable lumbar support or DVL. The X-Chairs DVL provides unbelievably comfortable lumbar support, and every part of the chair can be custom-adjusted to fit you. Now, that's why the X-Chair is equally supportive and comfortable, whether you're 5 feet 2 inches and 110 pounds or 6 feet 4 inches and 250. I can comfortably sit for hours on my X-Chair. I do all during the show, all during prep. And now with the introduction of the X-Basic model, there's an X-Chair for every body type and budget. Take advantage of X-Chair's new financing option and pay as little as 30 bucks a month. Take your comfort and productivity to the next level for less than the cost of a daily cup of coffee. X-Chair is on sale now for $100 off. Just go to xchairlevin.com, that's xchairlevin.com, or give us a call, 1-844-4X-Chair, 1-844-4X-Chair. X-Chair comes with a 30-day, no-questions-asked guarantee of complete satisfaction, so there's no risk. Go to XChairLevin now, that's XChairLevin.com now, and use code XWheels, and you'll receive a free set of the new slick X-Wheels with your chair. XChairLevin.com. Bernie Sanders today, at a, uh, last night, at a CNN town hall, cut 12, Go. You have said that you believe that people with felony records should be allowed to vote while in prison. Does this mean that you would support enfranchising people like the Boston Marathon bomber, a convicted terrorist and murderer? 
Do you think that those convicted of sexual assault should have the opportunity to vote for politicians who could have a direct impact on women's rights? If somebody commits a serious crime, sexual assault, murder, they're going to be punished. They may be jailed for 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, their whole lives. That's what happens when you commit a serious crime. But I think the right to vote is inherent to our democracy. No, it's not. The right to vote is a privilege, not a right. Everybody doesn't get to vote. Non-citizens don't get to vote. 13-year-olds don't get to vote. You have to meet certain basic, even though they're relatively easy to meet, requirements to vote. If you commit a felony, you not only lose your liberty, you should lose your right to vote. People in prison should not be voting. They're in prison for a reason. And the idea that the Boston Marathon bomber, who is a convicted terrorist, who murdered people in cold blood in our own country, should have the right to vote as they face, I think, the death penalty, shows you how insane Bernie Sanders is. He believes this is a civil right. He believes he's defending liberty. He's doing no such thing. No such thing. Bernie Sanders is a disgrace. He's always been a disgrace, and he always will be a disgrace. And his proposals will destroy this country. But here he is shown a little ankle, and hopefully people are smart enough to see it. The idea that the Boston killer, the Boston Marathon bomber, a convicted murderer, a convicted terrorist, can have his liberty repealed, but not his vote, shows you the insanity of the hard left. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, all law enforcement, all you folks in the military. I don't know what we'd do without you. Please check out Levin TV. It's a great one. Join us tomorrow on radio, and please go to Amazon.com and pre-order your copy. You're going to love it of Unfreedom of the Press. See you later.